Hi, I'm Eric the Trainer. I'm a Hollywood physique expert, and you're watching Hollywood Reel with Jay Menez. All right, Eric, thanks so much for coming on, man. What really stands out about you is this presence that you have with people. Whenever you walk into a room, mm-hmm. man, you just light it up and everybody's just glad to see you. Was that learned or were you always kind of like that? You know, thank you so much for the compliment. I, I'm a firm believer that if you run into someone who has passion for what they do and they feel like they're on a mission that's larger than themselves, they radiate energy. And if you look at history, people in general as a mass are attracted to those filled with energy, whether it's positive or negative. I mean, you can have someone like JFK who really led a nation during a time that was very crucial, or you can have someone like Adolf Hitler, I mean, who was absolutely evil, but it possessed so much conviction and energy that people followed them. So I think it's all about energy. And in my case, thank you so much for saying that, I love what I do. And so for me, I'm on a mission to make the world a better place through health and fitness and lifestyle. And so, uh, yeah, when I walk into a room, I can't turn it off. I'm, I'm excited to talk to people and try to help them. Wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, loving what you do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about really personal leadership. A lot of people think about leadership or prioritizing that skill right. if, if they lead a company, CEOs, those sort of things. But really, it touches every part of your life. Absolutely. You know? I mean, I think that if you look at the world, people that others are attracted to, you can almost divide them into two categories. There are people in the world where they say, be like me, do like me. And then there are people in the world like me where I say, what can I do with all of my knowledge and background? What can I do to help you? And so that's the approach we take. And so it's hard to be mad at someone when they're trying to help you. You know, I think if I ever got mugged, I'd be like, you can have my wallet now or we can make your waist a lot smaller and you better looking, you know? So, (laughs) you know, I I think that if you're on a mission to try to help others, it's hard to stop that. Right. Yeah. I know a little bit about your backstory Mm -hmm. and that if we go back to your childhood, you weren't always the biggest guy around. No. In fact, you were kind of the little guy that got picked on, right? I was. I was one of the smallest guys in my high school class, and uh, it was a drag. It wasn't just a drag because you feel vulnerable. It was a drag because all the women that I wanted to make out with looked like they could be my babysitter instead of my girlfriend. And so that was kind of a drag. I was short, very slight. I had the physique of a 10-year-old boy when I was almost 18. And so uh, I had to learn a lot of good jokes and uh, try to be charming to make up for my small stature. Right. And so where did the working out and building your body part come in? Well, I eventually grew. And in our family, it takes a long time for us to grow. There's a legend that my great uncle uh, finished medical school without reaching puberty. He was a real-life Doogie Howser. And so uh, I think my father, who's also a doctor, knew that I was going to be small going into my... uh, teenage years. So when, when I was 10 years old, he took me to my first martial arts class. And I started martial arts when I was 10. And uh, I've never stopped. So I've done martial arts for 40 years. But um, eventually I did grow. I was in college. And uh, when I grew, I went to the gym to fill out my lanky physique. And I noticed the more time I spent in the gym working out, the more beautiful girls would be like, hey, how are you? And so I thought, what a great exchange. So I spent a lot more time in the gym and I worked out like crazy and it, it all works out. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when did you start training other people? You know, I moved to New York after college, and I had never been uh, living in New York before, so I didn't know anybody there. And I knew that it was expensive, so I had to get a job. I had some money saved up, but very, very little. So I was offered a job in a uh, law firm. I was offered a job in a publishing house. I was offered a job with a retail uh, company, and I didn't want any of those jobs. I knew I had to work, but I didn't want them. And so I went to the gym 
to work out and to think about what I wanted to do. And luckily, the woman that ran the gym offered me a job. And her starting pay was actually very close to what I was going to make starting pay in other places too. So they paid to have me certified as a trainer and I started working and I loved it. And the rest is history. Wow. But entering college, Mm -hmm. what were your early interests? It wasn't training, but you had gone to college to... Yeah, I I had gone to college. I have an English degree and I thought I was going to go to law school. And I actually even went and, and spent some time at some law schools looking at which ones I wanted to go to. I was sort of honing in on NYU because I thought they had a great taxation program. I was offered a chance to clerk at a law firm in Houston uh, for a number of years, and they would pay for my law school, and I would give them time back. I mean, I was all ready to go to law school. And then I started spending time with lawyers, and I realized they were so miserable. And it gave me insight, and I thought... I do not want to be a lawyer. I want to dedicate my life to helping people in other ways. So it turns out it was health and fitness. I, I had the same experience. As uh-huh. you know, I went to law school for a bit and uh-huh. decided this is not, after spending time around it, right. this is not for me. Oh, yeah. In my, in my case, I think a tort should be something that you eat, not that you read. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that a lawyer joke? Yeah, it's, it's a, a tort. <laughs> <laughs> Pop tort. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> so... Fast forward, mm-hmm. you are, uh, have you ever been married? I have. I was married once, and I have a son, and we're very close, and he lives with his mom, and uh, yeah, I love being a father, but uh, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of things is he interested in? He loves the two things that I love the most, and that is music and fitness, and so he and I, I taught him how to play guitar when he was very young, and he's a monster guitar player now, but he also plays piano and sings. And, uh, and he and I work out together all the time. That's sort of how we have our father-son connection. We go to the gym. We go to a gym that's far from my gym where no one knows me, so we never get interrupted. It's kind of deserted and fancy. And, uh, and we work out and we talk about life and we just sort of reflect on things as we do physical activity. It's so fun. It's yeah. a really cool way to connect with a little guy. For sure. Yeah. So what are the values you try to instill in him as a dad? You know, I think it's important for him as an artist to be productive. And if you're going to be an artist, if you choose to be an artist, you have to produce things that sort of define you as an, as an artist. L.A. is a funny place because in L.A. you see people that say, I'm an actor, I'm a painter, I'm a musician. But if you really just plug your ears and watch them and see what they do, a lot of times they don't do that stuff at all. If you've been working for 25 years as a waiter and you've never booked a show, you're not an actor. You have an interest in acting, but you're a waiter. And so I, I always encourage the artists that we come into contact with to be prolific and to, to do what they intend to do and not get swept away by a day job or get distracted. Because it's very easy in a place like Los Angeles. There's all kinds of distractions where uh, great artists come here to try to do something, but they can get pulled into funny little circles. Mm. What does that mean in a practical sense if you're, say, a musician or actor and trouble booking that kind of work? Right. How would you advise them? I would say that you're in a place where there are many, many artists in one small vicinity. Uh, There are directors, up-and-coming directors and producers. There are lots of actors. There are incredible writers. And now more than ever, you can get your stuff out there through the internet and through film festivals. There are all kinds of things that we can do. I was having this conversation with a guy recently who tours with a huge rock band as one of their technical consultants, but he really wants to be an actor. And I said to him, you need to prioritize acting. You should be doing something for your acting career every single day. And I really gave him that pep talk while we were working out in the gym. And the very next week, he booked his first film role. And he said, thank you so much. You were the first guy that really believed in me, but also sort of kicked me in the, in the behind and said, get on this. And so he was, he was going to audition classes and studying acting and making it a priority on a daily basis. 
And that's how you really get things accomplished in this town. And that's great advice. And for, I mean, that's pretty fast, booking something a week later. Right. For most people, I guess that also means going out and creating your own art. Yeah. Uh, go find some other filmmakers, actors, some crew. Right. Uh, and get together and create something. You're all working for free. Right. And just get, put, it, put it out there on YouTube or whatever. It's so easy these days. With it really is. Technology and yep. the cost of it all, right? But also, I think that for these, for these artists, they need to display their conviction. So there are some actors that have a day job and then they go to auditions and stuff, but the day job tires them out. And so when they actually have that moment, just a brief moment to be in front of someone that could change their life, they're uninspiring. I think you need to display your conviction if you're an artist at the right time to progress your career. And so I think just on a practical basis, some artists forget that because artists by definition are very sensitive. And our gym specifically is a gym that was set up, unlike other gyms, for artists. So all of those sensitivities are taken into consideration, the temperature, the music, the lighting, even the notion that you don't have to pay for anything there. So if you want a protein bar, thank you, Quest, uh, or a cookie or, a, or water, everything we give, there's no additional payment because yeah. we don't want to stress them out. It's designed for artists to oh, thrive. That's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, so let's talk about your gym. Sure. I mean, it's an amazing place. Thank you. And there's a reason why you attract so many, not just artists, but celebrities. I mean, you've sure. got so many A-list type personalities in there. What do you think attracts them to that? Is it this environment you've set up? Is it Eric the trainer? Is it, what's, what's going on there? Well, I think, I think it's a, a bunch of things. I think that they know that I'm on a mission to prove my worth through the results that they get. And so anytime you're with someone who's ambitious, but, but their result has to be on you, it's a good position to be in, you know? Um, so I think that really helps a lot. Also, I love what I do. And so when these artists come in, I think they sense that I'm really thrilled just to have the chance to work with them. And they like feeling that way. Also, a lot of these artists, and I didn't know this before I opened the gym, have been huge fans of each other for a long time, but have never really met. So we have, you know, guys in Fallout Boy and guys in The Strokes and guys in Nickelback seeing some of the top actors around, and they actually meet organically in the gym and become friends. It's a really nice, just even place where uh, there's, there's no weirdos, there's no creepy people that are lurking, you know, with cameras. It's just a great, fun, super fun place. And also, uh, we try to make it a happy place. So once in a while, someone who's super negative will come in and we'll just throw them out. That's where the martial arts comes in. Yeah. Just throw them out. <laughs> Even if the door is not there, we just throw them through the, through, through the wall. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that certainly reflects the experience that I've had there as a client for a few months now, right? Yeah, yeah. They're all successful. Yep. They've reached a certain level, so they're driven. And like you said, they're very positive. I don't, I don't know if they came in that way. Right. Uh, I think you have to have a certain amount of that sort of personality to get to where they are. And the other guys you have working in your gym also, I mean, they're like a, a mirror image of, of what you're trying to reflect, too. I try that, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, great job on hiring the right people and Thank getting you. these partners like that. Thank you. You know, I sometimes am surprised when these great actors or great musicians come into the gym. And I've been a fan of these guys from afar for a long time. And when you get to know them, sometimes they're quite disenchanted with what they do and with the industry that they're in. And because I'm in the industry, but sort of on the periphery, I can say to them, like, you're crazy. You're amazing. And I don't know why you're upset. And I sort of remind them of all of the accomplishments and success that they've had. And then they feel a little better <laughs> because you can lose when you're when it's you, you can lose touch. And so I've had giant rock stars and super famous actors 
explain to me in great detail how miserable they are. And I look at them and I say, you are so crazy. And I repeat back what they said, but then remind them of the facts. And then they're like, oh, I hadn't really thought of it that way. I'm like, are you insane? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's so cool to work with artists. I, I, it makes me a very lucky trainer. There's nothing wrong with training uh, dentists and doctors and lawyers, which I did in New York City. Um, but it's really special to work with artists every day and get to know them and and really help them achieve an either in a higher level of where they are. Yeah, and I think that's a responsibility uh, which you're what you're describing there that is common to barbers and bartenders. You know, sort of this amateur right. psychologist, but the fact that you take that role so seriously because it's not t- typically thought of as personal trainer. Right. Part of what you would do is kind of that mindset thing. But but it is big, right? And um, yeah, just kudos. I th- I think that's that's probably a big part right. of what makes you so successful personally and and in your gym. Oh yeah, and I'm a dinosaur. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember once I was in the gym with a terrific actor, very successful, who I've been a fan of long before we ever met, and he turned to me and he had tears in his eyes, and I said, "What is wrong?" And he said to me, I hate my career. I'm not A-list and I'm not unknown. I'm stuck in this sort of nowheresville. And what I really want, what I really want, and I said, what? What do you really want? He said, I want to be a superhero. That's my dream. I want to be a superhero. And I said, well, if you want to be a superhero, then you can't complain when I ask you to lift this heavy weight and you have to eat that extra serving of steak that I advised you on. And I went through all of the checklists of the things I've been, I've been asking him to do that he hadn't really fully committed to. And he looked at me and he goes, okay, I'll do it. And we worked for six straight weeks, getting him in the best shape of his life. And he immediately landed a superhero role, immediately. And then went off to shoot. And it was really cool. And we joke about it now. We like, we laugh about it. Like, remember when I said I really wanted that? And you said, fine, let's do it. And we made some small adjustments and we we did it. And I said, yeah, that happened. It was so cool. Yeah. You're like a magician. Exactly. And when he wasn't looking, I went, (laughs) you know, it was, it was cool. No, but it, it, it's fun. It's really, really fun. And I get really excited to see all of our clients succeed. Yeah. Um, I'm probably the only guy in the stadium watching Def Leppard, feeling proud of them like they're my sons, even yeah. though they're older than I am. Uh, but yeah, it's great. You know, when, when you see a guy who's, in, who's over 60 take his shirt off in front of a huge stadium of people and they're screaming because he looks so good, I feel really happy. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I helped do that. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Yeah. Or when we're backstage and the crowd's going crazy and we're pumping him up and then they take the stage. It's nuts. It's so cool. It's yeah. really fun to watch that. Is there a typical kind of advice that you give to your guys that's outside of the workout itself? Well, I think I think what you're hinting at is something that uh, I'm qualified to to advise in specifically because my dad was a therapist, or he, oh. yeah, his whole career he was a therapist. Not only was my dad a therapist, but he was the key therapist in a group of therapists where they would come to our house once a month as a group and they would discuss cases without saying specific names, of course. And so it's really interesting to to spend time with groups of people whose only focus is to help you get a mental edge. But I talk to people all the time about the importance of exercise on a regular basis because those endorphins really keep you elevated as a human. And it also causes, uh, you know, manual circulation in your body. As you and I sit here like this, there's not a lot of circulation happening in our bodies. And yet when we work out, when we get a pump, that's all about the circulation that's happening in our bodies. So you could sort of see a workout as, as a manual circulatory exercise. And it's really good and it keeps you healthy and mentally sharp to have that kind of exercise. It's smart to be fit. It's really smart. Um, 
also, you know, surrounding yourself with positive people and weeding out those that are pulling you down that are negative. For some people, it's really hard. For some people, it's their spouse. For some people, it's their parents, you know, who they're very connected to. But if you're able to eliminate the negative forces psychologically in your life, it really opens you up to all kinds of interesting possibilities. Yeah. And uh, I believe in the, the importance of self-care. I think that, you know, for guys like you and I both who are on a mission to make the world a better place, even we have to take care of ourselves, make sure that we go to bed on, on the earlier side so we're not exhausted the next day, make sure that we get a massage once in a while so that we can sort of relax into things. I had a massage the other day that was a religious experience. Trust me, listen, when I was 13, I had a bar mitzvah. I think I had more of a religious experience with this massage last week. It was unreal. I mean, when you find someone who's a true craftsman, uh, it's it's exciting. So you should have to take care of yourself so you can be more effective. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah. Ow, ow. <laughs> I need a guitar. <laughs> Hilarious. I've got one over here. Okay, good. <laughs> a lot of these people have reached this level of success. They're already at the top, but maybe stuck at the top, if you will. Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of get them unstuck? Do you have advice for these guys? Well, well, the first thing I, I need to tell you, and this is something I didn't realize until I worked with some of the top people in the industry, um, it's lonely at the top. There's a target on your back. If you're a UFC fighter, I'm not the trainer that helped you go from being a scrappy young guy to a world champion. But once you're a world champion, the UFC will send them to me for two weeks to make them look like a superhero so I can bring Anderson Silva's shoulders out a little further and his waist a little smaller so when Coca-Cola takes a picture, he looks amazing. So I get to know these fighters usually at the top of their game, not on the way up. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you, when you sit with these guys, and many of these mixed martial artists are highly educated, as opposed to boxing. If you look at boxing and mixed martial arts, the average boxer has less than a high school diploma. The average mixed martial artist that's professional in the UFC or in uh, Strike Force or in Bellator has at least a college degree, many times further, a master's or a PhD. These are highly intelligent men and women. When you talk to them, they really let you know in an insightful way how lonely it is at the top. It's really tough. And so sometimes it's hard to gain any kind of insight or have any kind of sounding board when you're in that position. So I try to be that person. I try to help them. I try to be honest with them and uh, give them some, some, uh, some food for thought. And for top actors, I mean, for as, for as exciting as it is to spend time with a top actor, they're always looking for their next gig. Mm. And they're never happy where they are. All the guys that are sort of midway in Hollywood are miserable that they're not A-list. All the A-listers feel like they should be even higher on the A-list. I mean, it's, it's hard to find an actor that's very satisfied with the way their career is going. So, you know, I try to cheer them up, to tell you the truth, you know? Right. <laughs> it's unreal, you know? And, and on occasion, on occasion, I, I come in contact with an actor who's been so heroic or so evil as a villain in this role. Like, they've done such a good job that they're, they're almost pigeonholed. They're, they're stuck there. And they just fantasize about not being the hero, about not being the villain. They want to do something else. The stereotype problem. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, uh, if Mark Hamill walked in right now, he'd be like, Luke, he might not want to play Luke anymore. Right. You know? And no one knows that. And he, who is he going to complain to? Right. He's an international superstar. He has been for decades. Who is he going to complain to? There's really no one to. Except his trainer. Right. Yeah. Right. I do keep a guitar at the, at the gym. <laughs> that, if that guitar could talk, man, we've had so many amazing musicians go, hold on one second and run into the office and start playing something on the guitar. Really? It's crazy. Oh, yeah. You got to record these little moments. I sometimes do. Yeah. I mean, we had Drake in there. We had the guys from Def Leppard. We had the guys from Nickelback. We, we have a lot of really cool guys in there. Right. right? Yeah. It's, right. it's super fun. You know, it's great that being in your position, 
they trust you naturally. Right. And uh, and that you're able to give this advice sure. to them and help them out. Because I, I, I think that a lot of these guys, they have to, they're guarded for good reason. Right. And it's hard for them to open up and and kind of let somebody in and trust them in that way that they that they trust you. Absolutely. Well, I always explain to them that my job is to take something that's already incredible and make it better. Mm. And so when you look at it that way, it's it's kind of a cool task. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm on a mission. It will not be stopped. Right. So there you go. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of superheroes, uh-huh. I saw recently saw a talk show clip of you mm-hmm. it's been circulating around where one of your clients, <laughs> and I can't remember who the talk show host was, but they're showing a picture of you as, doesn't he look like He-Man? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. So uh, the then head of DC Entertainment, yeah. Jeff Johns, went on uh, the Seth Meyers Late Show. Right. That's and right. and that, that was their whole topic of conversation, how they were, he was betting Seth. He's like, oh, yeah, my trainer looks like He-Man. And so they A-beat it. And they, they said, yes, he does. He does. But, uh, hey, that makes me happy. I had the action figures when I was about seven or eight years old, and I've been playing with them ever since. So. Right, right. That's kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah, I'll take it. So you work with all these guys. Did you ever have any ambition to be a professional musician or an actor or anything like that? You know, when I moved to New York City, I really wanted to meet girls and play and learn how to play guitar and and work in some in some capacity that was helpful. So I began working as a trainer, was having a great time, meeting lots of girls and having a great time there. But the one thing I didn't do is I didn't play guitar and I always wanted to learn how to play guitar because it's so cool. One day I was in the gym and this guy came up to me and said, "I am the editor in chief of Guitar World magazine and I would love for uh, for you to train me. And I said, I'll train you, but you teach me how to play guitar. And he said, deal. And with that, we had a bartering situation, which is very unusual for Manhattan. And uh, it was a great experience. And he taught me a special way how to play guitar that nobody had ever, I had never seen this before, where he essentially taught me how to play guitar in about 30 minutes. And I could play almost any song. It's a special, wow. yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a special thing. If, if you have a guitar, I'll show you. It's really cool. 30 minutes. Yeah. And in, in about 30 minutes, like, do you play guitar? A little bit. Okay. Well, if you gave me 30 minutes, I could make you much better using wow. a secret method. Yeah. Okay. You use one finger and you can play anything. It's unreal. Really? But it really opened up a whole world of music to me. So I would work very long hours as a young trainer in New York City, come home, take a shower. I'd be out of my mind, you know, nine o'clock at night. And I would take the guitar and I'd start playing guitar just to myself in my underwear. And man, it really relaxed my mind and took me to another place. And the next morning I was fresh, ready to work out again. So I really see uh, music and fitness working together as different art forms. I mean, I might not be a painter or a professional musician, but when I'm in the gym, I'm, I'm sort of creating art on bodies. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's kind of nice to just do something else. And so the guitar has been a great friend of mine. And uh, I write songs with my son and we have a great time. And yeah, it's super fun. Do you ever want to do any public performances? I've done public performances before. Yeah, I've, I've done it before and it's super fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. I write songs and uh, I love music. I'm music, poetry, I love all that stuff. What about acting? You know, I never really wanted to be an actor. And I've had a lot of offers to be in stuff. And it just doesn't make me happy. I mean, I've been on set. Uh, I shot a commercial actually about a week and a half ago with Marty Cove from The Karate Kid. Right. So he and I were in a commercial together and we were having a great time because we like each other. But just the notion of being on set and having to memorize lines and saying it again and again... To me, it's a drag, man. If I'm on camera, I want to be me, and there's right. no script. And so whether I'm, I'm you know, hosting something, I'm inducting uh, the Weeder family into the Muscle Beach Hall of Fame tomorrow uh, at Muscle Beach in Venice. And uh, whatever I'm doing, I like being me. Right. And there's no script. Right. It's all right here. 
So is that, that's uh, Eric Weeder, right? Eric Weeder is accepting? accepting on behalf of his father, Ben, and his brother, Joe. Wow. Pretty cool. Excellent. Yeah. They started Muscle and Fitness Magazine, had a whole empire of equipment and supplements, really something else. Yeah. So I, I know you do a lot of hosting, yep. things from Olympia to events for your sponsors and sure. all kinds of things. So you're, you're out there for sure, but like you said, you're yourself. And then you have a show, mm-hmm. Celebrity Sweat now. I do, yeah. With uh, Billy Blanks. Uh-huh. Uh, tell me about that. You know, um, I, I really wanted to model my career after Jack LaLanne. He's my absolute professional hero. And under his guidance, I did 40,000 push-ups to raise money for charity and did all this stuff. But one of the things he said to me back in those days before he passed away was, I think you should host a TV show because I think it would get your message out there on a massive scale. It's what he did. He had a show on for decades, I think 30 years. And, and he suggested I host a TV show. I never had a huge interest in that. Six months after he said that, I was offered a chance to host a TV show. And I was like, Great, I'll do it. And Celebrity Sweat uh, premiered on the Access Network, which is owned by Mark Cuban. And I was kind of like his Jack Lane on the air. Uh, there, Then it jumped to Spike. It was on Spike for a while. And uh, it's gone from network to network. And now we're on Amazon Prime. Wow. Yeah. You're getting ready to shoot your, did you say six or seven seasons? Six season, yeah. Wow. Season six. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, season six. Yeah. Well, six seasons, it's, it must have... Tremendous success. It's, Amazon loves it. People love it. I ran into somebody yesterday, and I thought he was joking. I was looking around for the for someone taping me, you know, with their phone. He was like, "That is my favorite show ever of all time. I love it." Then his wife came over, and she goes, "He's obsessed with your show. He loves it so much. It's a pretty happy show. It's a behind the scenes look at athletes and celebrities and their lifestyles. And our only goal is to motivate and inspire people to take better care of themselves. So." Um, I mean, I've been on stage with the Chippendales dancers, ripping my shirt off. I've been um, at Wolfgang Puck's restaurant, cooking with uh, UFC fighters and Carrot Top. I've been uh, backstage Broadway with Phantom of the Opera. We've been all over the world. We've been in India. We've been in the Middle East. We've been in Europe, all over the place. Super fun. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, hey, life is fun. So backing up, tell me how you, and this for the benefit of people who Want their own shows. Did you go out and pitch yourself for a show? No. Or? Uh, one of the things that was suggested to me when, when, I, uh, when he said, I want you to host a show, and, and I, I had done a bunch of video projects with YouTube videos and stuff, I felt like I needed some formal training to, uh, to learn how to be a good host because I could just tell that I, I was a little rough. And so um, someone suggested to me that I watch television and find the person that I want to be just like and learn from them. And it's, it sounds very simple, but it was really kind of interesting. It was a fun project. At the time, there was a show on called Entertainment Tonight, and it was hosted by a guy named Mark Steinis. So I, I decided he's kind of a strong guy, like a big guy, but he's a terrific host. He hosts things now, I think, on National Geographic. He's, he hosts things all over the place. He did Home and Family. Um, so when I realized I wanted to, to be like that, I went to work the very next day, and I said, I wonder if any of my clients know Mark Steinis. Well, sure enough, one of my clients, as soon as I mentioned it, one of my clients was like, my sister is his assistant. I said, great. And I said, please let him know that Eric the Trainer wants to learn from him and I'll pay whatever it costs to get a chance to have direct contact with him and I can learn from the best. So the next thing I know, I'm invited to set uh, to learn from Mark Steinis. And he gives me a financial number that's pretty hefty that I would have to pay to do this. And I said, no problem. It was worth it. It was an investment in the future. 
So I show up to set and I'm all excited to meet him because he's a very charming guy. He was charming initially, but he was a tough uh, teacher. And it was only a one-day thing where I was literally on set with him while he was shooting. And in between, he was he was giving me advice and, and teaching me things. And man, that day was, it went down in history. It was an intense, fascinating uh, day of learning. And when it was over, I gave him the money and he said, no way, I don't want any of that money because I think you're going to be great and I want to take credit for it. Really? So he wouldn't take any money. Yeah, he wouldn't take any money. So um, just from that one day crash course from a guy I really loved and respected professionally, I have launched a career as a host and it's, it's never failed. All of the little tips he gave me were so spot on, were so great. Like he's, he's amazing. Yeah. And uh, and we still keep in touch here and there. So yeah. there you go. That was great advice. I, I'm a big believer in mentorship also. Oh, yeah. That uh, you really have to find that role model mm-hmm. and and go do what they do. And we can't always have direct contact with them. Right. You're fortunate that you're able to connect with them and uh, afford them if you would take your money. Yeah. Now, this transformation didn't take place in one day. There's there had to have been a period where you kind of took what you learned and practice it over time, right? Right. Well, that's that's where the uh, five seasons of Celebrity Sweat come in. Uh, <laughs> you know, having a show and getting a chance to shoot again and again and again, because the way the show is set up, they're essentially segments. So it's not like, you know, you go in and you shoot a show and that's it for the day. You know, this it's continual segments. And so I've had so much practice, so much on-camera practice. And if you watch the first season of Celebrity Sweat, you know, on Amazon versus the fifth season, I'm way better in the fifth season. But uh, but the whole process was so fun. And I think the audience can sense if you're enjoying yourself on camera or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, f- we find ourselves in super fun situations. I mean, we flew up to Seattle and we had a Mighty Mouse, who at the time was the UFC flyweight champion, uh, Demetrius Johnson, uh, try out for the Seattle WNBA team against all those super tall WNBA female women. I mean, what a what a great afternoon. You know, watching this little guy, you know, who's like that tall, race around with the basketball, you know, and all these giant women. Like, we, we do all kinds of super fun, wacky things. And it's just, it's a fun show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So who do you learn from today? You know, uh, that's a good question. I don't necessarily have a, an ideal, iconic guy that I watch that I want to be like. Uh, today. And part of that is because the fitness landscape has dramatically changed. So there's not somebody in front of me, ahead of me that I can say, like, I want to keep on going on in his wake. There's no one like that. I mean, Jack LaLanne, my favorite of all time, is gone. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, is older and diversified. All the guys that I really idolized in their prime are either older or past where they are. And so, uh, but I've had enough experience now. I mean, I've been a trainer for a long time. So uh, I've had enough experience now where I feel like I can continue doing what I'm doing and also I can start to mentor other younger trainers on how to be better, mm. on how to help people more effectively. Um, social media has been a real huge change uh, in the fitness world because it's made people feel like they have to be on camera and on all the time. And in the midst of that, they've forgotten that they're supposed to care for others. And so if you go to Gold Gym in Venice, even today, just wander in, watch how many people are like, doing this instead of trying to help someone else. So it's hard to be a caregiver when you're focused within. And I try to teach people how to help others. Is that a new focus, kind of mentoring other people, or has that been kind of a constant your, your whole career? 
I've had to because I want to travel and I want my business to run. So I've had to mentor people so I can leave and it's still a great place to go. Right. So uh, just on a practical basis. But no, I really, I enjoy spending time with young people and I enjoy uh, sharing thoughts with them and, and helping them become better and watching their success. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the different guys that we work with, I mean, uh, we've seen huge, huge leaps and bounds with some of the younger trainers that we have. A couple of these guys I took out of their hometowns. I mean, uh, Miles, as an example, who works at the gym, he was from Tampa, Florida. And uh, his dad asked me to give him some advice because he said, hey, my, my son's a trainer, but he hasn't really found his niche yet. Would you just give him some advice? And as soon as I met Miles, I was like, that's the guy that we want to hire. We would bring a guy like that on. And so we brought him all the way out uh, from Tampa, Florida to work with us. He's been doing a kick-ass great job. And he even brought his girlfriend with him from Tampa. And, uh, you know, they live out here now. But it's exciting to see these young guys succeed. And uh, I feel really proud of them. Well, I'm glad. I didn't know that story. I know yeah. Miles. He's you know, a wonderful guy. Unbelievable. And then I was in the Middle East with a chef, uh, Robert Irvine, from Restaurant Impossible. Uh, you know, Robert and I went to the Middle East. He was out there to serve the troops great food, and I was there to train them. And we came in like the Batman and Robin of health and fitness. And uh, after that trip, the commanding officer on base said to me, when you get back, I challenge you to hire a veteran. And I said, done, baby. So that's where Joseph came from. Joseph is a former Navy guy that works for us. Great trainer, unbelievable. And I'm really proud of his progress also. Mm. You've got so much value to offer. And and just personally, your spirit is, is just so wonderful. But for the people that don't live locally and don't have that opportunity to interact with you, right. how can they learn from you? Do you have online programs or anything like this? We do have some online programming. Uh, in general, we've been so busy with real-world success that we haven't given the online world uh, a, a, a focus the way that we probably should. But I can imagine in the next year or two that we'll focus more online so we can reach a broader audience. And be, be, between working with the celebrities in Hollywood, literally, that are shooting the movies and making the TV shows and performing the concerts that go out constantly around the world— along with hosting Celebrity Sweat, we're, we're crazed. Like, it's, it's super busy. Um, that being said, I'd like to do more online, and I'd like to get a chance to touch more people. And we have, we have friends like Ted McGrath. I don't know if you know Ted McGrath, but uh, Ted is a friend of ours, and he's really mastered the online outreach. And so uh, he's assured us that he's going to help us, you know, make some great connections online. And, of course, Gary Vee is very inspiring. He's a great guy who's online, and uh, it's always fun to watch his videos and stuff. But I think that there's great value in the notion of being with someone and having that connection. And although you can reach millions of people through television or online, I'm, I'm still kind of addicted to that, that live essence of being with someone. So right. I might have to book a speaking tour or something. You know, I want to go out there and, and touch more people personally. Yeah. Do you identify more as an introvert or extrovert? I think I'm an extrovert. I mean... Uh, Although I really cherish the time that I'm in the car by myself thinking and, and ruminating and meditating on things, it's really exciting to go out into the world and meet people and try to make an impact on their lives. Just smile at them, shake their hand, ask them questions, listen to them. You know, sometimes being a good listener is the most important thing. So, um, yeah. I mean, Jack Lane was on a mission to change the world, and he really did. And he might not be alive now, but he's in my heart, and I'm on that same mission. So yeah. hopefully some young guy watching this will say, I'm going to join that mission too. And they'll go out and do great things in the world because yeah. people need help more than ever. I mean, for all of the connection that social media gives us, I don't think we've ever been a more isolated community. 
So it's really, uh, it's a double-edged sword that people don't realize. I think eventually, five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, they're going to look back at it and say, wow, the addictive properties of this really curbed the, uh, the way society was, was headed. And so uh, I'm hoping to remind people about the importance of movement and nourishment and sleep, things you can't get online. So to you as social media, is that just another tool that can be used for good or bad? Or how, how do we manage that in a healthy way in our day-to-day lives? As far as I understand it, and I'm an old guy, social media is kind of like alcohol, where you can use it socially to enhance a situation. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we travel to Budapest, to Prague, even to China. I got off the plane in Shanghai, and these people were coming to me, Eric, how are you? And they knew all these things about me because of the power of social media. It was really, really cool. However, like alcohol, if you take too much, you can sort of fall down this rabbit hole where you get swirled down and it gets really dark. And the people at Facebook and Instagram and even Twitter are working specifically and very openly to make it more addictive. Like they, they're looking for ways to, to make it more addictive. And so we are, we're being manipulated into a situation knowingly that can have horrible results. So I just think you have to keep it in check, like alcohol. Not everyone that sips a glass of wine with dinner is going to become an alcoholic. Not every kid who has a social media account is going to become sort of dark and isolated from it. But the chance is there. And there's great value in human interaction in, in being an artist that creates things instead of watches. Mm. You know, television, people, you know, when I was young, people would say, don't just sit watching television, go do something. Well, now you don't even need television because with these, with these phones that we have and with the computers that we have, you can just watch your whole life away and make little comments in the dark. And that's no way to live. How do you do connection? You know, I try to connect in an interpersonal way with people who I genuinely like. And because we, I have time constraints where I don't have endless time. I don't have lots of free time. I'm pulled in a million directions. So when I do have the opportunity to spend time having dinner with someone or um, on a date. I went on a date last night, which was a blast. We saw a great movie called Booksmart, which I would recommend to anyone, which we worked on. Uh, yeah, the uh, Noah Galvin is one of the actors that's in that as one of the leads, and he was terrific. But um, if, you can, if you can unplug, even momentarily, and enjoy the company of someone who you genuinely like, it can enhance your life. It's like a, it's a different dopamine hit. It's something that actually resonates in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the real truth... Uh, hit me when these social media influencers started coming to my office and they'd sit down on the couch and after the small talk was over about two minutes later, they would say, uh, so I'm here for some advice because I have millions of followers and I feel terrible and I don't know what to do with these guys. You know, and, and, you know, after a few brand deals go well and after a few, uh, you know, a few opportunities come, come and go with these guys, there's no real substance, you know? It's, uh, it's like owning currency that has no real value. So um, I try to give them real-world advice from a real-world guy, and that is there's great value in relationships. There's great value in health. There's something called the Total Wealth Index. It talks about your legacy wealth, meaning were your parents wealthy, your, your current wealth, like how are you doing financially, your relationship wealth, whether it's interpersonal or business, um, and then your health wealth. And of all the different wealth indexes, I think your health wealth is the most important. Look at Steve Jobs. Guy was brilliant. He was uh, an innovator. He was watched worldwide. He had more money than I could ever count, and he died. 
because he didn't have any health wealth. So, and health wealth, you can't get online. You need to put in the right exercise, the right diet, the right sleep to have that health. So that's a good place to start. I like it. And contribution to you seems to be a very big part of that. Right. Well, I, I think that after spending time with people who have jobs that are not clearly defined, they're not making anything, they're not doing anything. I mean, there's nothing wrong with working at a cubicle, but there's something to be said about helping someone or helping a group of people achieve something they never thought they could. I sleep really well at night. And uh, many times when you think about people that are restless, who can't sleep, I mean, sleep disorder is the number one health disorder in the entire world. We're not talking America. We're saying in the, in the whole world, it's not obesity. That's not the number, one, the number one health issue. It's sleep disorders. Part of that is the mind not happy. When you think about people that have insomnia or they just can't sleep or they're troubled, part of it comes from spending too much time online and not in the real world. Part of it comes from the fact that they're not following their passion. Part of it comes from the fact that their bodies are sick and and achy and full of decay because they're not taking care of themselves. Uh, Sleep is a gorgeous, beautiful experience that you can have at least once or twice every 24 hours. And yet so many people um, fight it. And and being exhausted brings on a whole new uh, slew of problems and issues and depression and... uh, crazy. So we, we tackle sleep in a big way. I mean, when, when you talk about the very science of change, if you, if you clear away all the fads, all the craziness, it's exercise, it's diet, and it's sleep. But of those three, sleep is the most important. And with sleep, I include stress reduction. So what is the Dr. Eric's prescription for sleep? Is, is that same for everybody or does that depend? It, it does depend. I mean, there, there are studies, by the way, there are studies now online that contradict everything we know to be true. So, you know, you, you give someone some great advice and they find, they immediately Google it and find someone over here that said, ah, that they say the opposite. But uh, I can assure you that when you look at the movie studios, when you look at the, at the, the, the biggest musicians, the biggest actors, I, I take care of a lot of really important people and they trust my advice. So my advice to your, your viewers, go to bed on the earlier side, unplug uh, an hour or two before you're due to go to sleep. Make sure your room is a cool, dark place, free from loud noises, and uh, enjoy your sleep. It's, a, it's incredible. And get a great mattress. I made the investment, like a major investment in a super cool mattress a couple of years ago. The greatest thing I've ever done. I would rather have a fancy mattress and a normal car than a fancy car and a bad mattress. Well, good advice. Yeah. Eric, what's on your bucket list? I want to ride an elephant. I haven't done it yet. But uh, and I've been to India, and I've been to the Middle East. I've been all over the world, um, but I haven't ridden an elephant yet. Why? You know, it was usually when I'm in those places, they have me so booked that I never really worked it into the schedule. And because my name is Eric, and it starts with an E, and elephants are like the biggest animal on earth, and and it starts. I mean, I just I feel a great connection to elephants. Also, they're kind of good luck for me, and so uh, I definitely am going to do that. I was going to do that on my fiftieth birthday but it fell on the Super Bowl. So I had to host the celebrity game before the Super Bowl. And so I couldn't ride an elephant, but uh, I'm definitely going to do that very soon. That's on my bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because, you know, when you hit a a milestone age, like let's say when you hit 50, you think back, uh, you know, on your life and you think back on all the things that you did. And I remember very distinctly when I was 12 years old, I was living in on a farm in Maine and I listened to Def Leppard. They were my favorite band. And my favorite movie was The Karate Kid. And now years later, 
I work with the cast of Cobra Kai. I trained Def Leppard and tour with them. Like, nothing's changed. I just got closer to the things I liked. So it's kind of funny. Isn't that funny how that works? It's crazy. I mean, crazy. So uh, what's next for you? Well, um, we have all kinds of things coming up. I'm going to be in Prague and Budapest in about two weeks, doing all kinds of super fun things over there. And then I'm back for a week, and then we go on tour all summer long with Def Leppard up in Canada. We're starting in Nova Scotia, going all the way over to Calgary. It'll take us about a month to do all those concerts. Then I'm back for a couple of weeks, and then we go to Vegas because uh, they're doing a residency in Vegas. So I'll be training them there, and uh, it's always an adventure, man. It's always an adventure. You're on tour with them as their trainer? As their trainer. Cool is that? Super fun. Yeah. I love it. It's fun. Have you done that with other uh, touring bands before? You know, I never have. They've asked me for years, and I've always got, I always get the band in shape at my gym, and then I take one of my guys and send them on the road. Like Ivan right now is on the road touring the world with the Strokes. Uh, I've never gone just because, you know, I'm really busy, pulled in a million directions. And the big joke of my career for the first 40 years was the only band that I would ever go out with, I don't know, and they'd never asked me. And then I started working with Def Leppard. That was the band I would. Oh, that was the that band. was the band. Yeah, it was kind of a joke that uh, you know the only band I would ever say yes to. I don't know, and they've never asked me. Then I did get to know them. I worked successfully with them, and they asked me to go, and I said yeah. So last year I was on tour with Def Leppard and Journey together, and we had the greatest time. I mean, it was a blast. Uh, Journey but, too. Yeah, what an awesome band. They were great, and and you know I didn't know Journey before we started the tour, but by midway through the tour, I was training all those guys and having fun and. So they're great. And so it's fun to work with terrific musicians. And I'm a lucky guy. I think that's living proof uh, of something that I always try to relate to the people that I uh, coach and mentor. Mm -hmm. And that's that if you create opportunity for other people, you help other people, then the universe will work for you to make your dreams come true. It really does. First is there's certain, you have to take actions towards that. You have to help yourself also. Right. But in the whole, mm-hmm. you know, opportunity comes when you create that opportunity for others. I agree. And, I, and to add to that, because um, people ask me that advice all the time, I tell them that if they don't know what their dream is, it'll never happen. Mm. So it's kind of like someone walking into the gym and saying, I want to be big, but I want to be lean. Like you kind of have to go in one direction or the other because your body doesn't know how to get bigger and smaller simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of race to New York or LA. You can't go to both places at the same time. I can make you big and then lean you out. I can make you lean and then grow you a little. But I'll tell you, it's important to have a destination. And so many people that are uh, ambitious and want to conquer the world, when you ask them, like, what's the goal? It's silence. It freaks them out. Yeah. So it's important to know where you're going. Have a mission. Have that goal. Yeah. When was the last time you got into an Uber and said, drive? Never. You always (laughs) know where you're going. Yeah. So when you go into the gym or when you decide that you want to have a career, you have to have some sort of at least short-term goal because you'll never know if you got there or not. Mm. It's really something else. Yeah. What are you most excited about now? Uh, I'm excited to watch my son grow up. It's so cool to see him turn into a young man. This is a guy I used to carry around with one arm, and now he borrows my clothes and my car. So that's a funny feeling. Um, but yeah, I, I really I feel like our mission is just just getting started because each celebrity that we work with and that jumps on board to our ideology just becomes a big megaphone for our message of good looks and good health. And so the more big megaphones you collect, the louder the message is. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're really going to be able to help a lot of people thanks to the massive followings of these big artists. And so I'm looking forward to giving a chance to work with them more. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So to wrap it all up, mm-hmm. in this, in all of this life experience you have, right? Uh, you've certainly done a lot of things. You've met a lot of people, traveled everything else. Right. Is there a big takeaway? What does this all mean to you? What, what is the big message that you think you've learned out of all this? If there was one thing. I, I mean, this sounds like an adage, but I think that if you work hard, you can achieve your dreams. But the caveat is if you know what your dreams are. Because when I was uh, 10 years old, I sat my parents down. This is at a farm in rural Maine. And I looked out at the snow and I said, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on here? And they said to me, Eric, because remember, my dad's a therapist, so he's, a, he's all about talking, never scolding, but talking. He said, Eric, someday when you grow up, if you want to live in a place that's warm and that's, uh, that's crowded and that's filled with, with people that are doing a lot of things because we were out in the country, he's like, that'll be, your, that'll be your choice. And so he gave me that choice and I, I accepted that choice. So now I live in a place where there are palm trees and sunshine and artists artists every day that come into my place and sort of share with me all their creativity and talk about inspiration. You think I inspire them? These guys come in and they are, they're buzzing with inspiration. They've created new songs. They've started new films. They're about to go shoot a new television show and they're just blazing to talk about it. And it's really exciting. I mean, it's, it's a great life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great about creatives. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. Nuts. That's so awesome. So where do we find out more about you? Where do we find you out in the interwebs and everything? Well, you can watch Celebrity Sweat, and, uh, and that's on Amazon. You can uh, reach me online at Eric the Trainer on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Or you can come to Los Angeles and come to my gym and have fun. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Eric, thank you so much for Thanks. joining me. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, that was this fun. is so much fun. Super fun. Thanks.